أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد So we are continuing with um, talking about the prayer times so if you were to look at the circle as some sort of a, a chart um, whereby this, the, 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 the sun rises here at this point and then the sun sets here at this point and the sun is at zenith over here and it's midnight over here, um, then I want to map out what the prayer times is. Michelle, do you mind just dragging it over here just so the ladies have their side? Oh, okay. Oh, that's the complete side? Okay. Yeah, inshallah. They squeeze me out on this side. Yeah. Inshallah. So, uh, uh, um, we, we talked about the subah prayer, zuhr, and asr. Okay? So, where, where, is the, where is the subah prayer on this chart going to be? On the right. Well, okay, yeah, it will be on the right, so you're like halfway in the correct area. But like, where exactly does somebody want to come and like point out the, the, the place it's going to be? Like exactly, to come up to the board and point it out, or at least verbally say exactly where it's going to be. Right underneath that middle line. So okay. like here? Yeah. So is there any other theory? What is this line? So here, if we if we make this, if we call this here, I'll use another color so as to make it all nice and visually. People are like, I'm a visual learner. And uh, I get that that's like a neurological orientation some people have. But the idea is if you draw a picture, then anybody will know. It's harder for certain people. I appreciate that. But the power of abstraction is a very important power that a person needs to develop inside of themselves. There's a lot of power in it. This is one of the reasons why uh, it's actually a, one of the modes of zikr is to recite the Quran silently. It's easier to recite out loud. If you just move your lips and your tongue, but you don't hear the voice, that means that it, 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 the, the recitation sits inside of your mind. In fact, it's a type of muraqaba, it's a type of meditation. The mashayikh said that it increases a person in their intelligence. Um, so here, right, so if this is right here, sunrise. This is noon, high noon. I know I'm not gonna win the like handwriting award here. And this is sunset. And this is what? Midnight. Uh, okay, so where, where, is, where is the subah prayer going to be? Hmm? A little below? Yeah. A little below sunrise. Okay, so it's going to be, if, you, if this is to scale, it will, it will be somewhere around here. That the subah prayer will use a different color for that. The subh prayer will be from, from here, basically to right before sunrise. Mm -hmm. So we'll call it a subh. Okay, and uh, remember uh, what what is what is it what is the name in Arabic for this this beginning of the time of subh? Fajr. Fajr, which is literally the crack of dawn, the crack of dawn is right there and that's when you first see the vertical column of light in the east and then what is the name of, of this event the sunrise event Shuruk. it's 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 it, yeah huh 
It's, it's called shuruq, it's not called duha. It's called shuruq, it's called ishrah, and the word that we gave in dars last week was isfar, al-isfar al-bayyin, or al-isfar al-a'la, which is the, 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 the sunrise. So this is, this is interesting because people, the terminology is important to keep straight. The awam usually doesn't keep it straight, but like for, for the ulama, it's important to keep it straight. For the awam, it's not that big of a deal. But uh, the ishraq the happens right here, right? Shuruq, ishraq, isfar, they're all uh, synonyms in that sense for sunrise. Duha is a little bit after that. Remember we said that the, the, the rumh of the Arabs, the spear of the Arabs is a little bit shorter than the, uh, the, the, the spears of other people. So when a person uh, sees that the sun has lifted a little bit off of the horizon, that's the duha time. That's the time of the morning when the salat is. Uh, now again, uh, uh, not makruh to pray anymore. So there's a little bit of difference between those, those two, two terms. And the difference is somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes, depending on the time of year and where you are geographically. Yes? So is the, the height of a spear at arm's length? Yeah. Okay. So if a person holds a spear like this, if they see that, that it's that much up off the horizon, then, then, uh, uh, then that's what that is. Okay? So then where does, where does the Zuhr prayer exist? Uh, where, when does it start, let's just say? Right yeah, after the after high noon. Yeah, after, after, the, after the high noon. So skip this point and like right here, when a person can see that the, the, uh, uh, um, that the shadow of something uh, starts to increase. Like you can visual, visually assess it. We know the exact point, like through scientific calculations, we can know what the exact time of the high noon is in an exact place or pretty close to it, because you the, the spherical geometry that goes into calculating prayer times is not perfect because the shape of the earth is, uh, it's like egg-shaped. It's not like, it's not completely spherical, but uh, uh, you, you can get a good idea. So visually a person can assess when they see that the shadow of something has reached its minimum and then it starts to expand again, then that's what? That's the beginning of the her time. And then when's the end of the her time? Raise your hands. Inshallah. When the shadow reaches uh, <coughs> the length of an object. Yeah, when the shadow reaches the where the shadow of an object reaches the length of the object. Um, so that's going to be basically pretty close to halfway between noon and sunset, right? And then we mentioned we mentioned there's a difference of opinion. Imam Hanifa considers it to be a little bit more. Uh, um, so the shadow will go from zero to infinity. So the time it takes for it to go from zero to one 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 times the length is much longer than it takes to go from one to two, right? Because theoretically speaking, as the sun goes lower and lower, the, the shadow should, should approach, it should be like asymptotically approaching infinity. Um, so the, 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 the speed of its expansion is, is, is much faster uh, uh, later on. But that's where the Zohar prayer is going to exist. Okay? And then where is, where is the Asr prayer start? It starts right where the Zuhr prayer ends, right? So then this is, this is where the Asr starts. And when does the Asr prayer end? Remember, we used a word for it last week. Anyone? What was the word? <laughs> what was the word? Do you remember? Anyone? That's why in the old days people used to memorize their books. Mm. <clears throat> Isfirar. And isfirar means what? It means for the light of the sun, which during normal part of the day is clear, 
for the light to start to take on a yellow hue. Uh, and so that will be, you know, maybe like 10, 15, 30 minutes before, before sunset. So this is where Salat al-Asr is. And uh, that's, where we, that's where we left off. Well, uh, yeah. Was this similar to the one you just used for the uh, Sumbah prayer? Uh, no. Uh, actually, that's a good, good question. So is, for, the, for the sunrise, the word is Isfar, with a scene. Isfar means for something to be, for something to be uncovered, right? For example, in Arabic, if you say, what does it mean? She doesn't wear niqab, her, her face is exposed, right? So, you're not covered, you don't have a roof over your head, you're out under the, out under the cover of the side. That's why we call safar, safar, you know? Um, and so isfar is what is is when the the horizon no longer blocks the sun. The sun is now uh, uh, you can see it directly without any cover. This other word isfirar with the sad. It, it means for something to become yellow. And this is a hamzat qata. This is hamzat wasl right here. Isfirar means for something to become yellow. It's with the sad. So it's, it's actually even though because to our ear we don't differentiate between seen and sad in, in English. So it's the same thing. But uh, uh, in the Arabic language, it's, completely, it's a completely different word. Fun fact. <laughs> Fun fact. There's no Punjabi speakers here, are there? No. But if there's someone listening at home, because like 200 people listen to the Darsh like from somewhere else, and you probably have heard Punjabi somewhere or another in your life, right? The word safara yusafiru, in Arabic, it, it comes from the root meaning to be uncovered. And that's exactly the same thing in, 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 in Punjabi. And I suspect it's in a number of uh, other Indic languages as well. The, the word being uh, to be like, like, like uh, Ari, to be naked, is Nanga. Nanga means that you're completely uncovered and exposed. And in, uh, in Punjabi, in Eto, Nangana, to, be, to, to pass from one place to the other, it's actually the same. It's the exact same expression, which I find very fun and interesting how those things work out. So if anyone knows any other languages and want to chime in, other languages that they, they uh, that the same concept is there, they, they're welcome to do so. Yes? It's fun. Mm-hmm. And also, one of the things is it tends to hold it Hmm? Is the, the, the thing that, that's for something to be yellow? Yeah. yeah. Zafaran, is that where it comes from? No, that's Zafaran with a Zayin, that's actually a foreign loanword into the Arabic language. That's a, that's a foreign loanword into the Arabic language. There's like a long discussion amongst the Usulis as to whether or not Arabic has any foreign loanwords. And so there are like a hardcore position, which I think is very like empirically untenable, where like some of the some of the usulis are like no, there's no foreign words in the Arabic of the Quran at all, and uh, the other foreigners must have gotten it from Arabic. And but it's this not the like the the position of tahqiq. The position of tahqiq is what is that uh, there are a number of foreign words in, in the Quran itself. So sirat ihdina sirat al mustaqim. Sirat is a, a a word that originates in Persian, right? Wazinu bil qistas al mustaqim. Bil qistas al mustaqim in 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 nafi'. Qustas is actually a, a cognate for a word we have in English, justice. It's a cognate for the for the word for the word uh, justice. And like literally, if you go and see the the uh, um, the Arabs of uh, of the eastern part of the peninsula, right? They won't say Qasim to say what Jasim, Anasmi Jasim. And 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 uh, if you're Muhammad, like if you're from the Emirates or whatever, and you're like you're you're Muhammad, then your kunya automatically becomes Abu Jasim. 
And mm. it's funny because people don't, they're Arab speakers, but they don't really like think about these things because it's just like natural, like breathing. So you're like, you know, Abu Jassim is like Abu Qasim because the Prophet is Muhammad and he's mm. Abu Qasim also, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then they're like, no, no, it's a different name. And then you explain it and then you're like, just think about it for a second. They're like, okay, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, we're now we're, gonna, we're going down the, we're going down the lizard's hole here. Uh, um, so, so there's a number of, there's a number of, there's a number of foreign words. There's a number of Abyssinian words. What's an Abyssinian word? Mishka. Uh, 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 like you know the uh, 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 it's a very beautiful I mean all the ayat of the Quran are beautiful but it's it's something that like people very readily appreciate the beauty of this ayah the word mishkat is actually a, a, an Abyssinian word Taha is an Abyssinian expression uh, uh, there's uh, also there's even one there's even one Indian word in the in the whole Quran does anyone know what it is? It's an honor for Desi people. You're like, you guys are half and half, right? So one half is like, yeah, the whole Quran is like in our language, right? But like the other half even has something still to be like proud of. You know, do, you know, do you know what it is? Anyone? The one Indian word in the entire Quran that comes from an Indian origin. What's another Persian word? Firdos. Firdos is a, Persian, a word of per- Persian origin. And it's Pirdos in, in Arabic. And actually we have a cognate of it in English. It's paradise. Paradise is also... Uh, paradise is also uh, it's the same word so the Indian word is what what does tanur mean tandur yeah yeah. that's what it means you know so alhamdulillah mashallah that's like you know a person makes makes, it's natural that you should be happy you know that like mashallah you know alhamdulillah um so every qawm, this is part of the hikmah of this is the hikmah of Allah Ta'ala. every qawm has some something or another that they can you know see like okay look this is our link with the book of Allah Ta'ala mm. uh, um, so we continue with the with the time of Maghrib because we, we went all the way through Asr وَوَقْتُ الْمَغْرِبِ هِيَ صَلَاةُ الشَّاهِدِ يَعْنِي الْحَاذِرَةِ يَعْنِي أَنَّ الْمُسَافِرَةِ لَا يَقْصُرُهَا وَيُصَلِّيهَا كَالصَلَاةِ الْحَاذِرِ and so next we talk about the Salatul Maghrib. The word Maghrib means literally uh, uh, the, the sunset prayer. Um, and it is uh, the, the prayer which is witnessed and it's the prayer that is like resident or that's with you. And the reason they say it's the prayer that's resident or the prayer that's with you is because the person who's traveling and the person who's a resident, they all pray it exactly the same. There's no, there's no change in it. As for it being the prayer that's witnessed, Salatul Shahid, is that as soon as you see it, you, you pray. So there's an idea amongst the Imams that Maghrib is the prayer that has the shortest time out of all of them. Uh, whether or not the shortest time is the shortest time of validity or the shortest time in which it's recommended to pray it, but Maghrib is the prayer in which uh, there is the, 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 the shortest uh, time. فَوَقْتُهَا غُرُوبِ الشَّمْسِ فَإِذَا تَوَارَتْ بِالْحِجَابِ وَجَبَتِ الصَّلَاةِ And so the time of it is after the sunset. And so he uses a Quranic expression. إِذَا تَوَارَتْ بِالْحِجَابِ When it's covered with its hijab. Which is the expression that the Quran uses for Sayyidina Sulaiman رضي الله تعالى عليه السلام That he would, he would discharge the affairs of state and of kingship by day, but as soon as the sun set, he was, he, he was in his worship. 
and this is also we read the the author with regards to Sayyidina Ali radiAllahu taala anhu that during the daytime he'd be all business, but as soon as as soon as the the sun sets, then the the curtains of his house would be drawn and no one saw him anymore. All all of the stars of his sky would go black. Is literally the expression that was used to describe Sayyidina Ali radiAllahu taala anhu. And so he uses the same expression that's used uh, in relation to the the the, the vicar and the the, the weird of Sayyidina uh, Sulaiman alayhi salam. Salatu. Uh, when the when the sun hides itself behind the hijab of the horizon, then the uh, the the prayer becomes wajib to pray. The prayer, the maghrib becomes wajib to pray. La tu akharu wa laysa laha illa waqtun wahidun. La tu akharu anha. So that that prayer is not to be delayed, and it only has one time. One time meaning what? That everyone should pray it when it comes in. That's it. It's not like the other prayers where you can push and pull a little bit. Uh, rather, it has only one time and, and it's not supposed to be delayed from that time. This is the fatwa of Abu Hanifa. This is the fatwa of Malik, rahimahullah ta'ala. This is the fatwa of the Shafi'i Madhab as well. Um, uh, although they give, they give enough, they say that there's enough time in the middle that, uh, uh, that a person... Um, a person should be able to make wudu, make the adhan, wudu, adhan, iqama, and two rak'ahs if a person wishes to. More than that, more than that, a person's, their reward is diminishing. Now, one of the interesting things is that uh, when I spent time in the badia, in the, in the desert, uh, with the Bedouins, you see the, the maghrib time, what it actually is. It really only lasts like 10, 15 minutes. I'm not talking about like it's invalid after that, but I'm saying that the... The, the whatever the astronomical phenomenon of Maghrib really only lasts 10-15 minutes. What happens is right after the sun dips below the horizon, there's like a pale reddish yellow glow that fills the horizon from all sides. And it's like something you can observe, you can see. Here, because the horizon is covered from all sides and there's light pollution and people are busy with their other stuff, you don't see it as much. But like if you go camping or something like that, you'll see that. That it's, it's a different time. And then after that time, it kind of disappears. But that 10, 15 minutes, it's like neither day nor night. That's the time when the Maghrib prayer should be prayed within that time. Now, uh, 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 as for its validity afterward, there's an opinion, um, Imam al-Shafi'i, one of Imam al-Shafi'i's opinions, it's not the fatwa of the madhab, but one of the opinions of the Imam al-Shafi'i that's reported from him is that the, uh, uh, that the maghrib is, has, is only the time for adhan, iqama, two rak'ahs, and wudu, and two rak'ahs, and then you have to pray three rak'ahs of maghrib, and whoever misses it, it's actually qada, like they actually miss the entire prayer. This is one of his opinions that's reported from him. And the Maliki school, the Hanafi school is considered makruh, like a person wasted their reward of praying uh, that prayer if they delay it beyond that time again you know if Hamza came in guns blazing I would have changed the Maghrib time to right after the Adhan and most of the Muslim world is like that uh, but you know we're not we're going to try to we're going to try to reduce the body count as much as possible <laughs> inshallah and save the save the discussion for the Darsh uh, because people once they have the knowledge they make more informed decisions whereas if you just like kind of scream and shout at people then it becomes uh, it becomes more beef rather than uh, uh, more beef rather than ilm Imam Ahmad yeah no my, my understanding is even in Imam Ahmad's madhab there's no delay in it other than what we said the tarahi enough to make wudu adhan uh, wudu two rak'ahs and iqama I, I know of no difference of opinion amongst the madhahib about that yeah Yes. There's a terminology that Madhab is that is there like a base system right now? Or is I don't I'm unfamiliar with this term. Yeah, I do, yeah. So yeah. it's quick. Yeah. 
And it's like a thief and leaves, or Maghrib al Gharib, like it's like a stranger, it just kind of comes and goes quickly. Yeah. 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 And it's in England. <clears throat> this thing about the, the redness goes and the whiteness goes. goes. <clears throat> in the summer, <clears throat> and it stays between dark and light for a long time. There's exceptions to the rule. Mm-hmm. No, so I'm not. I'm not talking about that. You're talking about something else. We'll get to it when we're talking about Isha. There's a particular. There's a particular glow. If I took you outside, inshallah, there's a particular glow that if there's rain, for example, if there's cloud cover. You're not. You're not going to see. You're not going to see it. But if the horizon is clear on all sides, and uh, uh, if the horizon is clear on all sides, and uh, uh, and there is no cloud cover or anything, there's something different. What you're talking about is you're talking about the 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 shafaq. Uh, Ahmar for Isha, uh, Shafaq Abiyad for Isha. That's we'll talk about that in just a second, inshallah. Yeah. So, uh, so that's that's the Maghrib time. Uh, and so here on the chart, where would the Maghrib time start at? Sunset. Yeah, right after sunset. Right again below below the line. Oops, we were going to do that in green. How artistically challenged of me. So that's where that's where the Maghrib time starts. Yes. So I heard this before. So is after the Maghrib is the Isha, can you just pray the Isha prayer? We're gonna get to it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah that's like literally the, that really the next thing we're gonna get yeah, to, inshallah. Yeah, it's all good. I'm not inshallah. This is this is a this is a one thing about the students that come from uh, uh, like a Western education system. Uh, we're unaccustomed to the old books are written in a rational order. Unlike the, the the books that are here, they're not they're not written like that. Uh, they're just like throwing like slews of information at you uh, uh, without regard to rationality. Not to say that there's like the information is wrong, but the the order of it is not through cause and effect order. So uh, we oftentimes jump the gun with questions, and I drove my my teachers up the wall with this. And like eighty percent of the questions were just like Hamza la ta'ajal, Hamza la ta'ajal, like yeah, Hamza don't. <laughs> Don't be in a hur- rush. We'll get to it, you know, uh, and, until I like realize just shut up. And then after the Dars one is done, so I, I'm not saying this to like say don't ask question or how dare you ask question, but like I'm just telling you we're in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. So he says he says he says well waktu salat al atamati wa hiya salat al ishai wa hal al ismu aula biha ghaybubat al shafaq. Uh, so he says that the, the time of the Salat al-Atama, and for those of you who don't know what the Salat al-Atama is, uh, it's actually Salat al-Isha. So this is interesting, this name Atama, is a, 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 there's a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he, he, told his, he told his companions, uh, radiallahu anhum, that uh, the name of the prayer is Isha, and the Bedouins all call it Atama. So don't let them overwhelm you and like switch its name because that's the, this atama is a word in Arabic language. Al atamatu is the time when the the she camel uh, uh, is milked, and camels are they're animals that have a lot of personality and they're moody as well. And if you run afoul of their mood, they'll like try to kill you. So, but if you're nice to them, they're really helpful. And uh, uh, because they have personality, they're, they, they have like a lot of, per- they're not people exactly, but they do have a lot of personality. And, and it's ajib to see that, but this is not a class about camels, so we'll just leave it there. Uh, um, but, uh, 
the only time the she camel will allow uh, will allow the owner to uh, milk her, uh, you know, easily when she's at ease is exactly the same time that Isha comes in. So the Bedouins to them, they're like, oh yeah, this is the Atama prayer. The Prophet told the people in Medina, the city people, he's like, don't, don't, they, they all started calling it Atama, don't let them like overwhelm you and change the name of the Salat. The name of the Salat is what? Salat al-Isha. But, you know, the Bedouins, you know, it's, 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 it's funny how it works out. So for them, it's the Salat al-Atama. So he, he says that if anyone knows it by that name, he says the name is Salat al-Isha and that's a more appropriate name for it. And it starts at the Ghaybubat al-Shafaq al-Ahmar. so what happens after the sunset the sunsets were which side the west, right? So after the sun sets, what will happen is you'll see the opposite of what happens when the, when the sun is rising, once it's below the horizon. There will first be this like pale glow that, that is like the, the prime time of Maghrib, and then it will disappear. Then what you'll see is you'll see a, a, a redness in the, in the west, and that redness will start to go away and give way to like uh, night. And then you'll see it, uh, 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 sorry, uh, sorry, you'll see the redness in the east. And that redness will start giving way uh, to like, like the darkness of night. And it will leave first from the east and then it will leave from the west later because the west is closer to the, the light of the sun. Uh, and then afterward, there's a little bit of whiteness in the sky. Uh, and that whiteness uh, will go away as well. And how will that whiteness go away? It will go away exactly the way Fajr comes in, which is what it will recede from the east uh, all the way to the west, where it will turn into a single bar, like a vertical column, and then it will, it will just disappear at some point. Now, the, there's a difference of opinion, just like there's a difference of opinion with regards to Asr, there's a difference of opinion with regards to Isha. When does the Isha time come in? And the, the, uh, uh, the Jamhur, Abu Hanifa, sorry, the, the two students of Abu Hanifa, uh, Imam Muhammad uh, uh, and Imam Qadi Abu Yusuf, and the, the other three Imams, Malik Shafi'i and uh, uh, Ahmad, rahimahumullah, ta'ala, their fatwa is all that the Isha time comes in when? When the, uh, uh, when the, uh, uh, when the, when the whiteness, sorry, when the redness disappears. When the redness, first the red, first the red, first the yellowness disappears, then the redness disappears, then the, the whiteness disappears. The yellowness disappearing has no hukam associated with it. Uh, uh, the, the redness disappearing is the isha according to the jamhur. According to Imam Abu Hanifa, it's the whiteness that disappears. When that happens, then the isha comes in. Now, interestingly enough, if you go to all of the, all of the countries of the Muslim world that have like the timekeeping authorities, um, all of them, regardless of what madhab they follow, all of them generally will, will pray Isha in the Hanafi time. Why? Because, because of ihtiyat, because of uh, a cautiousness, and, and uh, because of a number of other reasons that we'll kind of get to in a second. Uh, but uh, here, because we're further north than a lot of other places, I think the only like major metropolis of Islam that's as far north as we are over here is maybe uh, Istanbul. Istanbul is pretty far north. Uh, it's on the same parallel as Chicago is, and I assume that that's about the same parallel that Cleveland is in. So they pray Isha in the later time. 
however, in the peak of summer, given that there's very little uh, riaya uh, or, or accommodation people make for the prayer times, a number of our, even our Hanafi muftis and mashaykh, they make a, 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 a accommodation for praying in the earlier of the two times because it's all, it's it's not only is it a valid opinion amongst the other imams, it's also a, it's also a valid opinion within the madhab. However, the difference between this issue and the asr issue is that the fatwa in asr is 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 that uh, uh, that that it's valid in the earlier time, but it's it's uh, it's more cautious in the later time. The fatwa in the madhab is uh, with regards to isha is actually that it should be prayed in the later time. So this is a, a dispensation within the madhab. It's a weaker opinion within the madhab. Wallahu a'lam. Wallahu a'lam. It's it's valid at any rate. And uh, you know, I think in the summer, in the summer, I I, I think it's it's very reasonable. And uh, a number of our more learned and elder mashayikh fatwa for the people who live in more northerly latitudes that uh, that uh, that they should that they're allowed to. There's no haraj or harm in them praying isha um, in the earlier time. That compounds even more in in in, in uh, Ramadan. Why? Because people pray the Salat al-Taraweeh and things like that. It becomes later and later. So uh, that's what that is. So he mentions this that because it's a Maliki text. So he mentions that that uh, the, the, the Isha comes in when the redness disappears, not the whiteness. But this is a difference of opinion. And remember, I promised everybody I'm not going to force you to become Maliki. I'll try to tell you the differences of opinion as much as possible. Not necessarily to illustrate that the, the, the Sharia is a fruit salad, because it's not. Uh, but uh, that every one of the Mashaikh have their Dalil. And as long as we keep ourselves within the opinions of, 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 of the Imams, then uh, um, then we're still on guidance. If someone comes up with like, let's pray Juman Sunday type of nonsense, then we'll draw the line and say, okay, buddy, this is not, we're not going to accept this. It's good to know what your choices are, what your options are. Yeah. Yeah. You had a question? Yes, no? I'm sorry. Uh, so in, in those situations, do, do you go with if you're if you're a scholar you go with your own conscience if you're not then you just go with whoever whichever person you take your knowledge from yeah and if you're a layman just go with the imam whoever the imam is inshallah that's the the the, the hukum of allah allah says in the quran the, ask the people who have knowledge, the people who remember, the people who have knowledge. If you don't know, yeah, so if you're if you're a lay person and you try to reason through it yourself, you're obviously going to make fruit salad out of it, right? right, right. It's like it's like you know asking uh, you know whatever the gas station attendant with your physics homework, help with your physics homework. He may tell you something, but it's not going to be of much use. Uh, so for the lay person, the hukum of Allah Taala is what is that you ask the people of knowledge. For the people of knowledge, then between them, uh, if, if, if between them, if they, if they have an issue with one thing or another, this comes to like kind of like a side issue, is that then the question is, is this a matter of public interest or not? If it's not a matter of public interest, then you, f- you follow what your conscience is. So for example, if one of the imams says, you just raise your finger for a second and then you put it down, and another one says, you raise your finger and keep it up, and another one says that you move your finger back and forth, side to side, or up and down, or whatever, right? These are not m- matters of public interest. So you, nobody, nobody can compel you to do anything other than what you think is right. However, matters of public interest, for example, who's gonna lead the prayer, what time are we going to set the prayer times? What day is Eid going to be, etc.? Then the benchmark for those things is what is that whoever the relevant authority uh, uh, is uh, for that for that uh, for that interest, as long as they pick a legitimate opinion from amongst the opinions of the imams, then they have to be followed. 
because the the sultan uh, the, the authority the relevant authority sovereign authority will obviate difference of opinion then we'll say that yes the difference of opinions are legitimate in an ilmi sense and in an intellectual sense but as far as the actual practice is going to be in a particular place because we cannot have the muslims divided as long as it's within the circle of the differences of the imams everybody's bound by that at that point, even if you think one thing is more correct than the other, if you don't follow what everybody else is doing, then you're committing sin because you're dividing the ummah uh, and you're dividing the community in that sense. Uh, and so we're, 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 bound to, we're bound to follow what that, that thing is. Yeah. You're welcome, inshallah. So we continue. He says something about the... About the uh, 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 and so he says that, that from that time until the first third of the night, a person has a, a choice of when they, when they would like to pray. Uh, um, so he says that the, 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 the time when you pray the Isha, it begins when the redness disappears and uh, the end, end of it is the first third of the night. Now, part of this, part of knowing what the first third of the night is, knowing what the definition of the night is in the Sharia. What's the beginning of the night in the Sharia? Maghrib. So the first third of the night is not, the first third of the night is like, you know, it's from, if you calculate from Maghrib until when? Until Fajr, Fajr, right? Until the crack of dawn, right? So that's what this first third of the night, that's what the Shari midnight, etc. All of these things are, are, are based on that, okay? So, uh, the, 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 so the, on this chart, the Isha will come in somewhere like over here, and then it will end, uh, it will end somewhere like over here. So this is Isha. And this is Maghrib. So notice there's a gap. There's, there's, there's actually gaps in the schedule. We'll reconcile them when we're done with, uh, with the text of the chapter because there are certain things that he doesn't include in here that we'll, we'll add. That's one of the reasons I put this, this, this circle up. But he says that the time between the, when the redness disappears and the time between that and when the first third of the night is over, he says that that's a time that you have a choice when you want to pray, when you want to pray Isha. If you want to pray it in the beginning or if you want to delay it a little bit, you can delay it without fault until the first third of the night is done. This is actually the fatwa of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab anhu, and this is also the fatwa of, of, of the, the Hanafis, which is what is it's preferable for the mas- masajid and jama'at to delay, uh, uh, delay the Isha until the first third of the night uh, has expired. And the reasoning with it is what is that so people come to the masjid like free, their heart is free. Like the hadith that we mentioned in, in the Friday night talk, that a person, their qalb is farid, their heart is like empty of any other worry or concern uh, uh, before, uh, before, going to the, before going to the musallah. Uh, and so uh, Ibn Abi Zaid mentions here that we consider that praying the prayer the earlier the better but at the same time if the masajid want to delay it in order to increase the amount of jama'ah then that's fine now this situation we're in why is that why is that point important to mention 
Like the situation we're in right now, we pray eight minutes after the Isha comes in. Why? Because Isha comes in pretty late. And uh, uh, if we delay like to the first third of the night, we'll actually lose people. It actually makes life more difficult for them. So if the point of delaying to the first third of the night, someone's like, how dare you? This is the Amal of Sayyidina Amr radiallahu anhu, how dare you go back on it? Well, the reason he did it was a, a reason that you're not understanding. If you don't understand the reason, then you may misimplement uh, something thinking that uh, there's benefit in it. And there, in general, there is benefit in it. But in this part, particular case, there's no benefit in it. And you don't know why. And you just end up making life difficult for people. Uh, and so he mentions then two, uh, uh, um, two ahkam that are connected with the Satul Isha, which is uh, It is it is makruh for a person to go to sleep before Isha, uh, and that that karaha starts from the time of Asr, between Asr and Maghrib, between between Asr and Maghrib, it's makruh to sleep. In general, there's a hadith, a weak hadith, albeit, but it's a hadith that the the the, uh, the ulama mentioned uh, because by experience it seems that the, the the meaning is true. That they say that sleeping between the uh, 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 between asr and maghrib, it's sababul ikhtilas fil aql. It causes a person's like mind to kind of get cloudy. And uh, um, this is also another thing that the ulama mentioned is that sleep at that time will make it difficult to go back to sleep after, uh, after Isha. Will make it difficult. So you'll stay awake like later. And then the one who stays awake later for them to wake up for tahajjud becomes more difficult. And for them, if they stay late enough, it makes it difficult to wake up for, 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 for fajr as well, for subah as well. So it's makruh from maghrib until Isha. Then also it's makruh from sorry, sorry, it's from maghrib till asr till maghrib. It's also makruh from maghrib until isha, but the karaha is of a different nature, which is what the the karaha at this point is 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 more because a person may sleep through the entire time and not wake up for fajr. So the mashaykh mentioned if somebody is tired um, and needs to rest. As long as they have someone or something that will wake them up so that they don't miss their Isha prayer, then, then it's no longer makruh. So there's a, the reason for the karaha is a little bit different at that point. Um, because that sleep is like part of the sleep of night. But a normal, a normal person on a normal day, uh, it's makruh for them. They shouldn't sleep between Asr and between Isha. Once Isha is done though, uh, it is makruh uh, for a person to uh, uh, talk or, or do any other activity other than go to sleep. Uh, and this is this is this is across the madhahib. It's makruh. There's no barakah in, in those things that you do after Isha. Al barakah. Where's the barakah? Al barakah tufi bukuriha. The barakah is in the morning. It's not in that part of the night. And so this is part of the this is part of the the organic nature the de- the, the organic nature of the deen. It's a deen al fitra that the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam he used to live like a natural and organic life. And so the. Uh, uh, the, the sleep that you get, the most, the most restful sleep that a person gets is the sleep between uh, uh, the, having prayed Isha and between the midnight, the Shara'i midnight, between Maghrib and between Fajr. That's the most restful sleep that a person will get. And then the uh, sleep between, uh, uh, sleep between the mid, Shara'i midnight and between Fajr is like a normal sleep. But, uh, but the Mashaykh mentioned that, that there's more rest per minute slept between Isha and between midnight than any other time. Uh, whereas the sleep then that you, you get between midnight and between uh, the, the crack of dawn, uh, it's, it's restful, but it's less restful. The sleep between the, the crack of dawn and between the time the sun has risen, it, it will cause a person tedium. It will not, it will, it will not be restful. 
uh, as is the sleep that's between between uh, Asr and Maghrib. The sleep between Asr and Maghrib is, is you know how they have Qaylula, right? Qaylula is the sleep that a person has after the duha until until uh, the time, any nap that a person takes after duha until the time that Asr comes in. It's called a Qaylula, right? The sleep that's, the, that the Arabs used to refer to the sleep that's uh, uh, between uh, Asr and Maghrib as Aylula. Why? Because it's Sabab al-Illah. It's a, it's a reason for, for sickness in a person or, or laziness, uh, weakness inside of the body. Uh, so at any rate, uh, uh, this, 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 this right here, this is the time everyone should be asleep. If you sleep at that time, you will find it possible to wake up for, for, uh, for, for tahajjud and you will also find it easy to wake up for fajr. This is one of the weird things like when I was in the Badia in the, in, in the open desert in Mauritania, we, uh, you know, we would naturally get sleep after Salat al-Isha and then we would wake up for Fajr without, without an alarm. Whereas I don't, I don't recall that being the case anywhere else in, in my life, anywhere else in the world. But because we don't have all these unnatural lights like up in our face and things like that. Unfortunately, in the Muslim world, everything happens. That's where the party starts, right after Isha. That's when the party, party starts, when everything gets going, when the life happens and people eat at that time. That's even worse for you. And like they, you know, and then they're, they, on a completely unrelated note, everybody's suffering from diabetes and digestional issues and whatever. And, and, and like, uh, you know, they, that's when they party and that's when they talk and that's when this and that. And then we wonder why is it that the masjid is like so empty for, for Maghrib? Uh, or sorry for Fajr, and that's why we wonder how, why nobody pray, prays the Hajjah anymore. And part of it is okay, fine, the end of time, and people are not pious anymore, as much anymore. But like part of it is because they used to actually go to sleep earlier. And you go to the Muslim world and the shops, like in Lahore, if you want to buy anything from a shop before 11 a.m., God help you. You know, you go there, you go to the, you go to any of the markets where you buy any serious anything. If you get there at like at 10, they'll drink chai with you, but they won't sell you anything, right? This is not the traditional way that the market, this is after the British came, this happened. This is not the way the traditional marketplaces work. Even in Pakistan, just because it's what I know, I've, I've lived there. Uh, although it's the case in many other places in the Muslim world. If you go to the Pashto speaking areas in the north, they, they open the shops after, they open the shops after the, 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 the sunrise. And uh, they, they have a qaylula in the midday and then they close, uh, uh, they, sorry, they open up again and they close by Maghrib. Now tell me something, people are talking about, oh, like, you know, we need to have more renewable energy and like, strip the earth of rare earth metals in order to make solar panels from China uh, so that they can have money to like put our brothers and sisters in concentration camps and, uh, you know, make money for huge Solyndra and other corporations and whatnot. Uh, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Obama is Trump by other means, but that's only my opinion. I'm not sheikh in that. You can have a different opinion if you want to. But all of these, you know, cracked up, cooked up uh, uh, type schemes in order to quote unquote save the earth. What's a better solution? Wake up at sunrise and go to sleep at sunset and the time that the day is the hottest, take the day off or take, take, take an hour off. The morning time, if you live in the Badia, the morning time is the best time of day. If you live in like the hard, hard, harshest of summer. And Alhamdulillah, by Allah's fadl, I spent a significant part of my life in the two hottest places in the world, which is the Indian subcontinent and the, the uh, uh, Sahara in Africa, right? The, the, what they call the Sahara Desert, which is like saying chai tea. But at any rate, uh, 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 you know, the, I, I lived in both of those places. The only time you find rest is in the, in the early morning. That's the only time that things are pleasant. And that's the time everybody's doing absolutely nothing in, 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 in a lot of places. Right. Whereas even if I mean, even if it's 100 degrees outside, the, the, the most pleasant time is like right after the sunrise because you can see light outside, but it's not hot yet. 
the direct sun hasn't beat down on you. And we waste we waste those times. Those times are the ones in which there's baraka. Even in in like like college and things like that, the hard math classes are all like at 8 a.m. Why? Because that's the time your mind works the best. So we waste all of these things. And the thing is, like someone's like, well, Sheikh, is it haram for me to like talk after? No, it's not haram. You're not going to get a sin for it. But at some point. Uh, we have to ask ourselves, like, you know, how long are, are we just going to keep wasting our lives and, like, in an inefficient way and doing things in, in, in such a way that we, like, waste the advantages that we have? The Rasulullah was very clear that the barakah is in, is, is in the morning, you know, it's in the early morning. A person is, the type of things a person is down for after Isha are different than the types of things that a person is down for in the, in the early morning. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, so this is a, a hikmah that we should benefit from these things, right? In the salata tanha anil fahsha'i wal munkari, that the prayer, when you pray it correctly, it will literally stop a person from, from sin and from indecency. And uh, it will increase in a person's uh, money and in their wealth and in their health and in all these other things. So that's what that is. Uh, the, I'll uh, take questions. Otherwise, there's a little bit of reconciliation that has to happen uh, in some gaps that he didn't cover in the chapter. And I'll do that before dismissing for Isha. Yes? So about the Qaidunah between Asr and Maghrib and how you said about the Sayyidina Umar's fatwa, it was uh, beneficial for his time but it wouldn't be beneficial for our time. It might, it might not. I mean, in the summer it may not be, but in the winter maybe it is, yeah. right? So like if Isha comes in at like 6.40 or whatever yeah. and people are still at work and we hold Isha in the Masjid in the Oval, right. then that doesn't make sense. To delay it a little bit would make sense at that time. Yeah. Well, what about since we're in the West we don't have a chance to feel a Qaidula like other places mm -hmm. and we come home from, from work just beat mm. and if we don't take a little half an hour nap, hour nap, you won't be able to study or come to a fifth class. I, mean, I know I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So. So first of all, the, the, this is an interesting point that you brought up. And the question that needs to be asked before it, again, this is fiqh dars. I'm not saying this from the pulpit in Jama'ah, right? So don't freak out. People freak out. Oh, Shaykh, don't say that, people. You're going to drive people away from Islam. It's, this is, this is a, a particular context in which we're discussing these things, and these things need to be discussed in this context. And then we not need to package it and deliver it differently in the, in the, in the public. So the first question that needs to be asked before the question you ask is, what's the hukum of leaving Darul Islam and living in Darul Kufr? And the reason that's important is what? Is you cannot just be like, oh, look, I got a job at Microsoft, so let's just change the entire Sharia. You know what I mean? Because it impacts a lot of stuff. Now, the fact that it happened, happened. Still, a person should know the ruling of it. Like, so the person who, for the person who... Uh, says that that uh, alcohol is haram, but he's a drunkard. Who's better, that person or the person who says, you know, who never t took a sip of alcohol in his life, but it says that I don't believe it's haram, right? The 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 first person is closer to iman than the second person is, by a lot. Uh, and so and so, it's important to know what the hukam of that is because it will couch like the context in which you receive the answer. The answer then thereafter is what is okay. We all shot ourselves in the foot. We came here. Some of us came here because we chose to come here. Some of us didn't have a choice, you know, because of economic issues or political issues or whatever. Bichara miskin, like there's like brothers in the masjid, you know, like if they stayed at home, they would have killed them. Anyway, we're here, right? I, I was born. Uh, the angel didn't come to me when he put my soul in my mother's womb after, uh, after 120 days and say, would you like to go to Bulgaria or would you rather go to like Zimbabwe? Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't have that choice. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, and so Zimbabwe. But uh, uh, I didn't have that choice, right? Uh, so we're here. 
whether you had the choice, you didn't have the choice, you made the right choice, you made the wrong. It's all it's done. It's water, water under the bridge. Leave it now for, in practical and for practical reasons. You can't take fic personally. If you take fic personally, you're not going to ever understand fic. You can't take it personally. This is all we're we're transacting in abstract ideas in order to be prepared for when we come into the practical realm to make the best decision possible. Uh, uh, if you're like, well, that can't be the correct hookum because I always don't do that ever. You know, th that's not, you're not going to understand nothing. For those people is good. Let's have a Friday night talk about why, you know, like, you know, uh, Islam is good and you should pet a bunny rabbit and feel good and, you know, here, let's go have chai. And, you know, like that's, th that's for them, that's the type of deen that you have to give them, you know, because that's, people have different capacities. Um, now that we've gone through all of that, what I said was that the nap after Asr until Maghrib is what? Makruh. Meaning what? You, there's no sin in it. The karaha is Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu way of telling you, this is not going to help you a lot. If you can avoid it, avoid it. But you're not going to be punished for it. If you ever stay awake between Maghrib and Isha, or sorry, Asr and Maghrib with the niyyah of pleasing Allah, you get reward. But if you go to sleep, you're not going to get punished. And the thing is, this is that Allah Ta'ala didn't make the deen like a prescriptive set of instructions, like do this at 8.10, do this at 8.13, do this at... He didn't make it that way. There's a lot of hikmah of why the sharia isn't like that. Mm. If it was like that, then we wouldn't have a chance to use our brain in order to understand why things are the way they are. Uh, if it was like that, then it would have been zulm because one size fits all doesn't work because every human being is different, right? So some person, for them, you're like, alcohol is haram. And they're like, oh, look, see, I, I'm a good Muslim because I don't drink. Because they're like, they're not predisposed to it. They never saw it. Their friends never drank. They're not, you know, don't have genetic whatever predisposition toward alcoholism. They don't, you know. For another person, that may be really hard. And so they have to look at that sin differently than another person will look at it. Um, and so if this is your issue, this is your fitna. If you don't sleep at that time, it's going to make everything else fall apart. You put the two considerations in the scale pan and say, shoot, this is not even haram. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice a little here in order so I can get more on the other, on the other side. The idea, that, the idea that anyone will live an ideal life that's completely perfect is not, it just, it's not a reality. Even the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa despite the fact that he never made sin, and he never made mistake. Allah Ta'ala at certain points will, will him and the other prophets compel them to be in an awkward situation just so people can know what to do in those awkward situations. So this is a hadith narrated from the Balagat of, uh, of, of Malik from the Prophet but it has an isnad as well. Um, uh, uh, that uh, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said Inni la ansa unasa li asun. He says that I don't forget Rather I'm at times compelled to forget So I can show the people what the sunnah of forgetting is mm. So like for example He sat through Fajr once <laughs> mm. What is it? It was Allah Ta'ala compelled him to do that Otherwise we wouldn't know what the sunnah is for, for sleeping through Fajr Right? Uh, why? Because that's how that's how the dunya is. Even the Anbiya alayhi salam were were not able to escape from it. Like there's weird like uh, like what's the hukum of uh, as aesthetically displeasing of a, a of a example as this is. But uh, you know this is a fit class. This is not like you know the pet a bunny rabbit uh, uh, feel good session, right? What's the hukum of a person exposing their entire body in front of like another non mahram person, random public? It's haram, right? So Sayyidina Musa alayhi it's a hadith of Sahih Bukhari that the Banu Israel they, they, they used to, they, 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 he was, had a lot of haya, he'd cover himself, he's always covered. I saw this from especially our mashayikh in Mauritania in the West, they're always covered, even you only see a small part of their face, that's basically it. They would never, they would never expose them, the men, right? 
and so uh, uh, what what happens is that he would always be covered all the time, alayhi salam. And so Banu Israel, the, someone with sickness in their heart started a rumor that he's, he has, he's like must be a leper or have some sort of hideous deformity that he's trying to cover, hide from people. Whereas that wasn't the case. None of the MB, all the MBA Ali Musan, Allah Ta'ala makes them tamam al khalq, like they're, they're, they're beautiful inwardly and outwardly. And so what ends up happening is uh, because this now, this rumor becomes a, uh, a fitna for Banu Israel that they, they wonder is this guy like, you know, is he some sort of hideous monster? What is he, you know? Uh, uh, so one day when he was bathing and he went far away in order to bathe so no one would see him. Uh, he let, rested his clothes on a stone. You're familiar with the story, right? Everyone here is familiar with the story. He rested his clothes on a stone, and then when he came out from from the whatever the the lake or whatever river he was bathing in, the stone gets up and it starts moving, and he chases after it. Oh. And the faster he goes, the faster the stone is oh. going, and it ran him through the entire camp of Banu Israel oh, yeah. until the Banu Israel see like he's like not only is he not like hideously malformed, but like he's like cut, like he's like a really you know good looking dude, mashallah, Ali uh, 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 but what is it? It's an example of something in this dunya not being 100% perfect in fairy tale. There's always some compromise for something or another. That's the, that's the reason it's a test, is you're going to have to cut something from one side or the other. And so Allah Ta'ala is looking who's going to cut what. So the good people are the ones who cut one act of piety for a better one. The best of people are the ones who cut one act of piety for another one. The, that's the best of people. This is why the faqih has, has a higher maqam than the person who doesn't have knowledge. Whereas the normal good people, they'll cut a better act of piety for a lesser act of piety, but there's still a lot of khair in them. Right? This is the advantage of ilm over... You know, cause people ask, like, you say some of these things like, you know, and so why, you know, if it's not even haram, why even bring it up in the first place? It's because the knowledge will allow you to navigate your choice. You're not going to be able to do everything. But it allows you to navigate to what's best. Whereas if you don't have the ilm, you may be doing something good and think that you're like the most pious person in the world, or not think that, but there was something better you could have done and you missed the opportunity. And then the, the people who are uh, completely you know, heedless from amongst the Muslims, they'll choose sin instead of piety, which is a, a disaster. And then the people of kufr, they you know, choose kufr instead of iman, which is a complete disaster. Those people, they think they're doing good, but they haven't, they show, they'll show up yom al-qiyamah empty-handed. So that's, you know, if that's your issue, that like your entire, literally your day is going to fall apart because you didn't do this one thing. If it's just makrush, not a sin. So sacrifice... The rest of the, you know, sacrifice that one thing in order to get the other things. Whereas if it's a sin, then you, you know, will say, unless it's an extraordinary circumstance, you're not allowed to, uh, to cross that line. It's a little bit more uh, intensive of a process to see if you have permission to cross that line. But, you know, you may be in that. Like someone's like, hey, Sheikh, if I don't sleep between Maghrib and Isha, the doctor says I'm going to die. Or the, between Asr and Isha or Asr and Maghrib, so Dr. Salam, I'm going to die, or I'm going to be in a coma for three days, or okay, then why don't you take a nap at the time? You know, uh, uh, it will, you know, but the knowledge helps you to be able to navigate that. Mm. Shaitan will come to a person and be like, make it perfect, make it, make it nothing's perfect. <laughs> the more, even the more, the, the, the more Shaitan will use this logic is for other people. Because you'll be like, they should be doing this, they should be doing that. And you don't see the good things that they're doing or the right things or the struggles that they're going through. And so you start to harp on other people for that. This is a sickness of religious people that, they're, uh, that they do these types of things. So person should take a step back and like, look at things holistically.
Any other questions? Inshallah, maybe one or two more questions. One question before Isha. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're so, I was wondering 